Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bibles ready, today we'll be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. As we will finish the chapter up, we'll pick it up at about verse 8 through 13. I simply entitled this, Are You Willing to Pray Night and Day? Here is the first half of this two-part study. And so this is one of the things I wanted to make sure that we grasp is because in in the moments of affliction, when we look at this, Paul tells us there were three things that Paul was very adamant about. Paul was very adamant about you sharing the gospel, but Paul was also very adamant about you making disciples. And we're going to see that in these scriptures today. But he also said that you were appointed for afflictions. This is what he wanted the churches to know. That you're going to go through affliction. And, and today, as we close up our vision for 2024, we're going to focus on prayer. So you can see the women are doing a book on prayer. The men are actually going to be doing a book called Too Busy Not to Pray. Men are always too busy. You need to be praying for your family, your marriage, those that are around you, the people that you work with. So as we look at this today, we're going to finish up. We kind of stopped at verse 8, but let me get you to where we were going at. So we we looked so far at that you were appointed for afflictions. And uh, one of the things that he said is that you would not be shaken. And the word in the Greek actually means as a dog would wag its tail back and forth. Remember I told you it's one of the things we can't do when afflictions happens is you can't be going emotions and feelings, emotions and feelings. You go to the Word of God. That's where you go to. We spoke about what afflictions do. They actually prove your faith. They prove that you're not a poser. You're not a hypocrite. Like you jump into the presence of God. Have you ever been around somebody who's going through cancer are going through some type of, of affliction, and they're, they're actually building you up. They say that about Joni Erica Sentata, who, who uh, is quadriplegic. She, she had an accident, and, and they say when you meet her, she, you're, you feel sorry for her because she's in the chair, but she builds you up. You think you're going to minister to her, and she's ministering to you. That's what afflictions do. That's how you know somebody's faith is real. It also allows us to, com- to comfort and encourage others in trials and affliction. So the same trials and afflictions that you go through, God uses so you can comfort them. It also makes us passionate about spreading the Word of God and making disciples. You ever seen somebody who's, who's like, they've been afflicted and then they're on fire for Christ again? 
That, that fire has been reignited and they're sharing the gospel. But it also allows us to relook at the things that are important in our life and things that need to be removed. We have to remember that afflictions, uh, uh, we went over this last week, that afflictions are part of a fallen world. People will ask, well, why did God give me cancer? God didn't give you cancer. The fallen world did. It's sin. It's sin. Affliction can also be a direct attack from the enemy, Satan. You get, man, you get some momentum behind you, (laughs) you better be ready. Because the enemy ain't going to want that. But also, affliction can be a direct consequence of your sin. Remember we talked about the prodigal son and how he had to come to himself. And then he goes to repent to the Father. And I love what Dr. Erwin Lutzer said. What did he say? You didn't see the Father go chase the Son, did you? You didn't see the Father go send money to the, to the foreign land, did he? No. The Father waited. Because that person has to come to the right heart of repentance. They have free will. And then we also talked about the affliction can be a judgment from God. And we spoke about our nation. Our nation is under affliction. We are under judgment. The things that we are seeing going on in our world today is because we have chosen to mutilate children. We have chosen through gender mutilation, trying to make them trans. We have chosen to, uh, to abort not only our kids, right? But let's do it in foreign land. Let's, let's pay for it to happen in, in Africa. Let's pay for it to happen in, in China or in these other countries. We pay for it. The Americans are paying for it. Your taxpaying money is paying for it. Do you not think there's going to be judgment at some point? Do you not think that God's not going to judge a nation that's allowing sex trafficking and human trafficking to happen in its own country? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the beauty right now is that we're in a place where God can do a mighty work. We just need to revive, see the church revive. One of the things we spoke about is in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, and our 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, it says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. One of the things that we learned is that there was a desire to want to minister to others, to see each other. That, that Paul had sown into Timothy and Silas and, all, and so many others. And he had such a heart for the people. He cared for them. And he, he's like, the good news that you're bringing to me encourages me to keep going. So when I get that, that letter from Christina, I'm like, man, this is awesome. Kids are coming to faith in Chile. And we're part of it in divine, little divine Texas. One of the things you're going to learn today is that when you go in your prayer closet, you can go anywhere around the world to pray. You're not, you're not, you're not stuck just here. You can pray for China. You can pray for North Korea. You can pray for, for Europe. You can pray for anywhere. You're not stuck just here. But do we do that? That was Paul's heart. Paul's heart was about the Great Commission, and that was his mission, making disciples. My wife shared something with me this past week as I had shared those, those percentages from the Barner survey. Only two out of five are being engaged in discipleship at all. Only 5% of the church is being discipled. 
And 56% of the church believe that their faith is private. That's the problem. Your faith is not supposed to be private. And my wife told me, she goes, you know what, Mike? You know what's different with the church today? We don't disciple. She goes, but Antifa and the Muslims, Palestinians, and the LGBTQIA and the Satanic Church have done a marvelous job at discipleship. What is going on with the church? They're able to get their message out. Why is the church stopped? And it's truth. There's some truth in that. We, we, when we only have 5% of the church actually being discipled, that means that we're missing what we were commanded to do. We were commanded to share the gospel and make disciples. If we're keeping our faith private, if over half of the church is keeping their faith private, you're never talking about Jesus to anybody. You're not even doing it in the church. I don't want my business on the street. Man, let me tell you something. There has to be a brother or a sister in Christ that you can be real with in this church. You don't have to tell everybody. You need to grab somebody and say, hey, I need you to pray for me. We need to have that. Every one of us need that. And that was Paul's heart. Paul said in, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, My children with whom I again labor, that word labor, to give birth until Christ formed in you. Like Paul is laboring, caring that much. That's how involved in their lives he was intimately. Paul, that's the example that we get. See, when we, looked, when we left off, we left off in verse 8. It says, for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. We live. We live. And, and one of the things that they find out is they're not only standing fast in the Lord, but they're doing what? They have what? Faith and love. Agape love. Sacrificial love. Faith and love. It says, for what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. Can I tell you, this is probably something that we do not do enough is give thanks for what God is doing in the churches, in the lives of people. Like, give thanks for what God is doing in Chile. Praise God. Give thanks. Tell people what God is doing. So God gets the glory. We, do, do you actually thank God for the provisions that you have for your life? Or do you take them for, for advantage of, like, uh, you know, hey, I work for this. No, God provided you that. The fact that you woke up this morning, you should give thanks. As you get older, you'll be doing that a lot. <laughs> oh, Lord, I got another day. Praise God. Now you just pray that you don't give, didn't give thanks that you didn't pull a muscle getting out of bed. Right? You ever been with somebody in bed? And uh, my wife, I'm going to say anybody, your spouse, and you go, and there, I, I've done it before. And I'm like, I just pulled a muscle. I'm just trying to get out of bed. Or I'm cramping. I got a cramp. <laughs> we got to give thanks. Colossians chapter 1 verses 3 through 5 says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you, in heaven of, uh, of which uh, you heard before the word of the, of the truth of the gospel. You see that, again, Paul is in, in the church of Colossae. He was giving praise because of what? Their faith in Jesus Christ and their love. They were known for their love. And he was praying for them. 
In 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18, a verse you know very well, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. But we miss this part here. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Remember we talked about this past weekend as we, we were in the book of Genesis chapter 16. And I told you all, uh, at the end of the day, you see Abram try to fix the will of God by trying to say, Hey, Lord, you can use my servant. He can be the next person to, that the descendants can come through. And God says, No, this is not how the promise is going to work. Right? And he, and he gives them the promise again. And then Sarah, she, she does the same thing. She's like, You can go into Hagar. Biggest mistake ever. And the husband's just like, okay, knucklehead. But I ask the questions like, do we do the same thing? Do we understand what the will of God is? And, and I challenged y'all this past Wednesday to go look up the verses that have the will of God. So you can no longer say, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. Part of the will of God is, is that you give thanks. Not in some things. In everything. Lord, I'm, let me give thanks. The car broke down. Praise God. You don't never know, like, the person who's coming to pick you up, the tow truck driver, may not know Jesus. And you may end up sharing the gospel with them. You have no clue what God is trying to do. But if you go into it with a bitter, hard heart, I'm not giving. Man, I'm, I'm angry. You're missing the opportunities that God is putting in front of you. Paul was a man of prayer. And so was Christ. Christ was a man of prayer. What did the disciples ask? Teach me how to pray. They didn't ask him anything else. Hey, can you show me, like, how do you get rid of this type of demon? Or how do you, like, how do you heal this type of affliction? They didn't ask that. Teach me how to pray. Because his prayer life was so important to him. His time with the Father. And that's what this is all about. It's like, are we willing to pray night and day? I'm telling you, I have missionaries. They're on that, that bulletin. They're online on the bulletin. The Cabachinkos. Man, they're in a, it's a rough area where they're at. Abkhazi is not great. Miss Wendy came and shared. Yuri, her husband, is the one. They have two churches. They have one in Russia and one in Georgia. They're running two churches. You have uh, Oscar and Liz Gallegos, who are in Itopato, Mexico. And there are cartels there. Hello? not a walk in a park neither is Chile see we we have things that we can pray for but are we willing to do it and see that's what what, what he's getting into because when he gets to verse 10 he says night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your faith faith and perfect what is lacking in your faith and perfect what is lacking in your faith so he's like we're praying for you night and day and when we see you it's not God that's going to perfect. He's saying we're going to perfect what is lacking in your faith. You, need, you don't understand how to read the Word of God. You don't understand what this means in the Old Testament. We'll go over it with you. We're going to help you perfect that. You don't know how to pray? Come on, let's pray. You don't know how to break bread or have the Lord's Supper? We'll show you. It's like that's, that was Paul's heart. Paul's heart was like we're all lacking something in our faith. Every one of us, including me. I'm praying this, and this is what my prayer is for you for 2024. Is like, Lord, whatever it is that I am, there's a shortcoming, whatever I'm lacking, help me overcome it for you. 
so I can do it for the glory of God. He's praying. And this goes back to what the church is supposed to be doing. Every church, every Calvary Chapel church I know of is Acts 2.4.2. And this is an Acts 2.4.2 church, meaning that every ministry, as I'm the pastor, every ministry comes down to these four basic things. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, the Word of God, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayer. Those are the four things that the, the church is so simplistic that we've messed it up. We've gotten it confused. Do you understand what koinia, the fellowship is? Koinia is actually admonishing each other with the Word of God. It's not a potluck. It's like having the Word of God stored on your heart so you can admonish your brother or sister with it. To encourage them, to build them up. We've overcomplicated the church. Because look what happens in, in verse 43. In Acts chapter 2, verse 43, it says, Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. There's a reverence for God. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as all might have need. There were people being thrown out of their house. There were people losing their jobs, and they were helping each other. Day by day, continue with one mind in the temple. So they're going to church every day and breaking bread from house to house. And they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people, not some people, all people. Hey, come to dinner with us. And the Lord was adding to their number Day by day, those who were being saved. It's not the size of the church. It's the growth of the people. It's not the building. It's whether the people are growing. Can you do these four basic things? Be in the Word of God. Be in prayer. Have fellowship together. And break bread together. I love it because it's, 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 it's continued steadfast. And it's something that we're not doing and as of this church and i can tell you every calvary i've ever come out of every ministry in this church practices four things and if the ministry leader can't do that they're not leading the ministry hello okay period it's not happening these are the four basic things why do we overcomplicate it remember i told y'all this past wednesday how about just obey what you know right now what do you know about the word of god obey that what did you read today? Obey that. Apply that. Don't sit and get fat on the word and not have application in your life. They took prayer very seriously. And they did it steadfastly. In Acts chapter 6 verse 4, you see that they continue doing it. It says, but we will devote ourselves to what? Prayer and to do the ministry of the word. I love that. We'll just devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. You know why we do that? It's because it's not me that transforms anybody. It's not anybody in this church that transforms anybody. It's the Word of God that does the transformation. You're better off giving them the Word of God than your words. You're better off praying the Word of God than your words. It's God's Word that transforms lives. When we get away from that, and that's what's happened to the church. Today, we've focused on million-dollar buildings, and the church has gone asleep. The Western church, the modern church, 
probably since the 50s, has been in a slumber. It had a little awakening in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s. We're due for a revival. We're due for a great awakening. And right now, let me tell you, every person that comes to the border needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when I look at it and I say, I got 5 million people. God says you won't go to the mission field. I'm bringing the mission field to you. I'm tired of you. You're going to sit in your million-dollar building with your Hebrews coffee, right? Hebrews coffee place in the building. We've got to have coffee for people. We've got to have cappuccinos. That's not what the church is about. It's not about you having a soccer field and a football field. None of that stuff. It's about you raising people, your families, your marriages that is being raised and cultivated in the Word of God. And what's happened is we've had this, this hustle and bustle of man's effort and man's determination and man's confidence. And we try to do things in our own human thinking and scheming and achievement. And God's not involved in it. The Holy Spirit's not involved in it. This is man's work. That's not what God's called us to do. I don't need a building. I don't, I've told you, I don't care if we get a building. As long as we have a roof over our head and we can teach the Word of God, that's what we're doing. That's all it's about. Jesus didn't have a bill. Like, Jesus went from place to place teaching the Word of God. At what point did he have, oh, well, what facility do you have for me? We've messed worship up completely. Worship's become more about me, 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 and not about him. The modern church needs to wake up. The Western church needs to wake up. I'm going to read you this, and, and this is very important. When we think about prayer, and we think about them praying night and day for the, the church in Thessalonica, I want you to get this, and, and this is very important. And, and when Jesus is in the garden in Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14, verse 32, and you all know the story really well. And, and when I say story, it's real people, real place, real events. Okay, that's the Bible. Mark 14, verse 34, uh, 32 through 42 says this. They came to a place in Gethsemane. And he says to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter, James, and John. And he began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them. And fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible that the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible from you. Remove this cup from me, yet not I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you might not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came from, uh, came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, uh, very heavy, and they did not uh, know what to answer him. And he came a third time, saying, Are you still sleeping and resting? Is it not enough? The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners get up and let us go uh, let us be going behold the one who portrays me is at hand 
You know, Pastor Chuck used to have a thing that he would do for 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, love is patient, love is kind. And he would say, Chuck is patient, Chuck is kind. Is Chuck patient? Is Chuck kind? I would take this and tell you, as we read that, and he took, and I can go, and he took Kevin, and he took Mike, and he took Court. Sit here until I pray. Sit here until I pray. Is he going to have to come wake you up? Is he going to have to come tell you, couldn't you not keep one hour? Could you not pray for an hour? Could you not go in the prayer closet for an hour? Could you not pray for my church? Could you not pray for the people in my area, for Divine and Lytle and Natalia? Could you not pray there are people that are lost, that need Jesus? Could you not pray for one hour? Am I going to come back the second and the third time and still find you asleep? This verse hit me hard this week because it convicted me about my prayer life. I'm telling you, as a pastor, I need to pray more. Billy Graham said the one thing when he was asked before he died, what would you change if there was anything you could change? And he said, I would pray, spend more time in prayer. See, this was Paul's heart. This was Christ's heart, is to be praying. You can do more through prayer than you could ever do through works. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 